Well, speaking of writers, Rob, can we talk about another famous writer that, that spent some time with your characters? Yeah, Al, yeah. Alan Moore. Love do you, him. Do you have uh, t tell us what Alan Moore means to well, you, well, what well, attracted well, you to him, <clears throat> what it was like, if you have any anecdotes from that time period? Okay, so guys, uh, again, before anyone evaluates this, let's go back in time. Alan Moore is the most celebrated, acclaimed, uh, I mean, just, I don't even think those words do him justice. Coming off Swamp Thing and Watchmen, he is, I am, one of my podcasts is going to deal with the rivalry between himself and Frank Miller, because there is some great motivation between those two cats. They became the two alphas of our business in 1986. But then Alan does this very experimental, you know, uh, what's the stuff that he does with um, Bill Sienkiewicz? Big numbers. Big numbers. All the stuff that we buy, that's Valentino and I are sharing a studio. We go to the comic book that store that day to get that and we're evaluating it. I mean, you if Alan Moore was releasing something, you were there. You were there to buy it. Alan uh, kind of takes some time off, is in my memory, and isn't as prominent, isn't as uh, just uh, present in the comic book industry. And during the time where I believe the image guys rise. The image guys rise, my, me and my peers, is a movement. It's a wave. It's a giant wave. And, and like I said, it's six, seven. It could have been eight or nine guys. But really, you know, it was seven guys who decided to band together. But I think that took comments into a more commercial pop direction because we liked commercial pop and didn't apologize. for. I like fight scenes. I like guns. I like six knives stabbing you. Okay. So, um, and, and it wasn't as maybe uh, uh, analytical and maybe not even as imaginative as the stuff that Alan was doing. But Todd McFarlane is the guy that hires Alan. <laughs> Sorry, to write Violator. And you're like, wait, he, he said yes? He's going to write Violator for you? Oh, yeah, bud, Alan's chomping at the bit. And you're like... <laughs> Chomping at the bit to do the violator? Like, what the hell? What where what part of the Twilight Zone did I wake up in? Right. Okay. Well, so anyway, I uh I initiate Eric Stevenson to contact him and offer him Violator Bad Rock. Because what's better? And Alan's like, I'm just so glad my phone is ringing. And <clears throat> you're like, what the hell happened? Where did we go wrong? Why is like I felt bad, like Violator, but he wanted to do it. And it's Alan Moore. So he said, yes, that's all I needed. It was a yes. Here's the thing also, guys, that I need to really, really um, beat home. I paid exceptionally well. I took great pride. Look, man, I saw, I think I paid, you know, Joe Casada $70,000 for nine covers. I've got all the vouchers. I, I had to go get them for legal reasons for for selling the properties and, and seeing what everybody signed. And for George Perez, a single illustration, I'd pay him $10,000 in 1992. And he'd be like, oh, Rob, you are so generous. Oh my God. I'm like, of course I'm generous. I love you, man. And uh, when you're making millions, you can afford to be generous. Now, not everybody was generous, but I chose to be an heir on the side of generous. So were we paying Alan Moore a crap ton? Again, Danny Mickey? The anchors at Marvel, when I left, the top rate was $150. I started Danny Mickey at $300 a page. Danny could do three pages a day and did seven days a week. Danny Mickey, John Sabal, 
there's nobody who's going to tell you that Rob Liefeld was not generous at Extreme Studios. Okay. And I'm proud of that. I'm not telling you that's years in the past, but I honored the guys who are doing work for me by making maybe things a little easier on me than it was. Okay. And, and I want, I was proud that I, I give Danny Mickey almost a thousand dollars a day, thousand dollars a day. That guy literally was so fast and so talented. So Alan Moore is getting big bucks to do Violator Bad Rock for us. We're paying him a lot of money. So he's super happy. And so what I think he does is, hey, you guys got that Supreme character. He lobbies us. I've been, I've been looking at some of these books. Why don't you give me a shot at Supreme? Hell yes. That, you don't have to ask me twice. Like, are you, you got to be kidding me, right? So, and I think Gary Carlson had been writing the book Supreme prior to him. And he had done about a year on there. And it was time to get a change up. And so Alan put together this mind-blowing first issue. The supremacy is forgotten by today's readers, but don't think that it's not one of Jonathan Hickman's favorite comics that he ever read, okay? Period, end of story. Because when I read it, and I'm gonna tell you, Mark Wade and I were not homies in 1996. I was, Mark Wade did not have the Captain America gig when I was given the Captain America gig. Mark Grunewald and Cap Wolf, God bless him, and today is Mark Grunewald's birthday when we're doing this interview. Mark Grunewald had, had, had about a decade on Captain America. And look, all those Marvel icons, Iron Man, Cap, they had all kind of powered down and are in the place where G.I. Joe and this stuff is right now. And uh, I was given the gig and was assuming that Mark Grunewald was going to exit and it was going to go to Rob Liefeld, just like it was Tom DeFalco on the Fantastic Four and it went to Jim Lee. Well, in all honesty, the editors, one editor at Marvel was so pissed off that they were making the deal for Heroes Are Born. And here's, and I know you're like, Rob, we're talking about Alan. I'm going to get back there because this is all through this filter because um, I got to get to the Mark Wade praising Supreme. And this is how I'm getting there. Is uh, one of the editors, we were approached to do uh, Heroes Reborn and to re these characters early 95. The books don't come out till September 96. We negotiated for almost nine months. Then there was the announcement in early 96 and then the books in late 96. So over this year and a half period, the editor hired Mark Wade and Ron Garney to do Captain America to basically show Marvel, we can do it on our own. We don't need to go to these guys. So that was an uncomfortable year watching Wade and Garney try and save the prevent Heroes Reborn from happening by delivering the big numbers that these editors felt they could tell their new overlords that, that they didn't need to be doing a deal with Jim and Rob. And nobody knew about our deal yet, only people inside the halls. But Mark Wade knew. And Mark Wade was feeling it on Kingdom Come. That was his big project with Alex Ross, right? And, and Captain America had critical acclaim. And those Captain America issues are really good. They're really good. Probably filed under too little too late in, in, that, in that era. But Mark Wade comes out when Alan Moore's first issue of Supreme comes out and goes, this may be the best book I've read in the last decade. Like he has a quote. He, he like in one of the magazines, one of the wizards, it's one of his recommends. They said, well, what are you reading right now? He's like, I'm reading Alan Moore's Supreme and I can't believe I'm saying that. It hit the industry so massively that, and, and to familiarize your reader, the first, I think it's Supreme 41. Um, Alan Moore introduces Supreme and in the middle of the story, he flies up to his Citadel and you see all these other versions of Supreme. And he introduces the supremacy where older versions of 
supreme go to live out the rest of their existence. And really what he was doing is the John Byrne, Chris Claremont X-Men, once Dave Cockrum took over, they go to the X-Men version of the supremacy. And Dave Cockrum's with, it's, it's literally, I mean, he had all these different eras, the 70s supreme, the 60s supreme, the, the Boy Scout, and then there was the angry, you know, and it was this mind-blowing concept. And they recognize that their time is over, but they exist on this different plane. And I'm telling you, man, it was it was high level of, whoa. And Joe Bennett, who is blowing up on Immortal Hulk right now, did those first initial issues that took everybody by storm. Well, we're not stupid. We, we want more from Alan. So Alan then decides, well, I'll give you a rollout for everything. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do Youngblood, I'll do Glory. He gave us this expansive, uh, very bold, uh, ambitious outline for what he would do. In the meantime, I asked him, could you do a crossover for me? And I gotta be honest, Ed, Jim, I was looking for like a, a Galactus type event, like a big giant alien. And I said to him, all I need out of you is a title. I, I have a title, I want you to fill it in. It's called Judgment Day, Judgment Day. And he's like, all right. All right, I'll, 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 I'll get back to you on that, all right? And uh, he calls me back up and pitches me the O.J. Simpson trial as a superhero drama. And I'm like, oh, am I not supposed to understand that this is O.J.'s trial? Like, he has my prominent black superhero murder his blonde girlfriend, Nicole. I mean, th there are, it's, it's, it's and, and it plays out in a giant court of law. And I said, is so this is what you want to do. It's a courtroom drama. Uh, and it was the most he ever said to me, like, well, you can take it or leave it, mate. Like, kind of like, this is what I'm giving you. I ain't giving you the big galactic shit. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not dumb. Let's go. And look, Judgment Day turned out to be absolutely brilliant with all its, the book of judgment and the way it traveled through the extreme universe. Look, like I said, it, what I, I'm not dumb enough to say no. And my pride always is, whether it's Alan Moore or Joe Keating on Glory, I go, that looks cool, let's do that. It's not what people expect, green light. I don't try and conform people to what I want. I literally gave Alan a title. I just wanted to, but I, and I thought I was getting gods from the, <laughs> from the heavens to judge earth, right? No, I got a courtroom drama, so pretty awesome. And it's a great series. And uh, he went on, and the only thing I regret is I asked him to do this concept of mine called War Child, which was, uh, War Child, we did a miniseries, and in, it, in the, nuts, the, the, the elevator pitch is it's a squire boy who dreamed of being a knight is summoned. They, they were trying to summon the knight, but they summoned the squire boy instead. And he ends up on the platform as the savior. And they're like, uh, we, they only had one shot to pull this knight and they got the squire boy instead. And so he, they, he is teamed with his, the cyborg, um, named Stone. So sword and stone, ooh, high concept. Um, I, I love those names and I love that it was kind of a tweak at Disney, sword and stone, but I couldn't call the book sword and stone. So I called it war child. Well, he and I, and I have a taped conversation with him that I will release at some point near my death of two hours where I recorded Alan and he knew it. He was like, Oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he had just come out of seeing Pulp Fiction and you want to see a guy whose hair is on fire. 
Alan Moore is like, I, 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 I just, I just can't get get Tarantino off my off off my brain. He would stammer a lot. Okay, Rob, this he, needs to be the next Rob Observations. I need to hear these. T- I need to hear this tape. Uh, Alan and, and Moore on like, Pulp Fiction. Yes, and, and please. And, and 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 he pitched me a future of Los Angeles, and he says to me, he goes, and 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 Rob, Rob, the, 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 Los Angeles is run by the by the by the blood crips, by the blood crips, and I'm like, I got an Englishman in London telling me about the blood crips, okay? Like th- these are sentences he's forming, and he's like, Rob, there are magic hitmen, and and the whole thing starts with a guy who shows up to do a magic hit on a guy and the guy's fumbling the spell that he's about to put on the guy. This is just genius. Alan wrote two of these. I have the plots. I not the plots, the full scripts. And it's just, he never did the third one because he was overwhelmed with everything else. Alan did two and a half brilliant years on Supreme and we paid him a shit ton of money. The reason I'm telling you this is it became when we transitioned to awesome and our offices were up in Century City and it's myself and Jeff Loeb, who is our kind of publisher and Eric Stevenson is our editor in chief. Alan, we would pay him, I think at that time, $10,000 a script. He would send two scripts in every Friday. So he's getting 20 grand wired to him every Friday. And he'd be like, like literally, we'd get a call. Uh, I'm faxing faxes. <laughs> Nothing was email yet. <laughs> Pull these papers out of the fax machine, and he's like, "I'm, I'm, I'm, I, I, I've set my scripts. I, I want, I want to make sure that you're going, you're, you're going to issue payment." Three years, we never miss, we we never issue payment. If you think that you wouldn't have heard if I didn't pay Alan Moore, Rob Liefeld steps Alan Moore. That would be a huge thing. Okay, well. When my financial partner in Awesome goes under, I make the decision to continue with Supreme. That's a good investment. I'm going to continue to invest in Alan Moore. He's the best writer, most important writer of all time. The reason the the, the relationship died is one afternoon, he goes, uh, Rob, Rob I've, uh, <clears throat> I've, I've, I'm ready to initiate year three on, uh, on Supreme. And I'm like, I'm ready, dude. Let's do it. We, we I mean... You guys got to understand, we even put it on the cover. He was winning Eagle Awards, Eisner Awards. Supreme was an award-winning comic based on, obviously, his efforts. We had great artists working with him, Chris Sprouse, all sorts of, all manner of guys drawing it. But the, the, this is what you want to hear. And, and, and at some point you go, Alan, you're trying to con me. Like, come on, man, I can't do this. And because we were not able to initiate glory and continue Youngblood, the guys at Wildstorm were very savvy and very smart and negotiated with him to transition his worlds to them, which became Glory became Promethea. Youngboy became top 10. Uh, Tom Strong picked up where Supreme kind of left off. And I wasn't angry about it. I, I felt like Adam uh, Alan Moore was owed that. And Scott Dunbier and Jim Lee were smart to go and go, Rob can't afford to do this line anymore so we're going to do it but alan had agreed to do supreme until the end of his 24th issue and he goes i'm ready to continue but uh i i have some conditions i i have conditions i'm like okay let me hear the conditions because dude i'm 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 paying an arm and a leg for your services alan okay this book is not a cheap book to produce and he says uh i'm i'm going to bring on a a co-writer and uh 
This is exactly what he said. He goes, it's my neighbor. He's such a terrific talent. He's amazing. He taught me everything I know. He's, uh, he's my neighbor, and all I see is a guy standing across the fence from Alan saying, yo, Alan, what's up? And he goes, and his name's Stephen Moore. Stephen Moore. I said, is it spelled M-O-O-R-E like yours? That's correct. Stephen Moore. He would be co-writing with me, actually doing most of the writing. I'll be kind of, gu- I said, wait. And he goes, but I get, and he said, but uh, for the same deal we have now. And I said, okay, so... The headline's going to read, Rob Liefeld continues supreme with Stephen Moore as Alan Moore (laughs) says goodbye. Who looks like the dunce then, right? I mean, I'm barely holding things together with my publishing division, and I'm now being asked to take what I believe is Alan's second best. It's his way of saying, I want to continue to get paid. And and, and I'm going to be honest, he did not expect me to turn him down. He was very irritated. I, I said, Alan, I don't even have to call you back. Right now, let me inform you that that is a no-go for me. If I'm going to initiate a third year and continue on the budget that we have, you have to be the writer. But but, but, but Stephen, he he taught me everything I know. He's a brilliant. I said, Stephen Moore has no track record. Stephen Moore does not have a body of work. Stephen Moore does not have the Watchmen, does not have, you know, any of your brilliance. And I I just, that's a bad deal for me. And and I'd rather just close it up. I'm not going to try and follow. We're just going to close the chapter and... And he's like, whoa, whoa. So, so there is no Alan Moore year three that people missed out on. It was his neighbor, comma, Stephen Moore, who did I howl when I saw Stephen Moore pop up on the Wildstorm books? I'm like, look, man, at some point you got to go. That may have worked for them, but I had a lot of scrutiny on my back. Closing Awesome was terribly humiliating. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I think that creators knew I was fighting back tears as I had to tell them all we were turning off the lights. It was very traumatic. It was the only time I was truly sad. Um, juxtaposed when I left Image and I'm on the phone with Steve Jeppy and Steve Jeppy's like, Rob, they're asking me to shut you down, but I'm going to make sure that all that money for those Marvel Image crossovers you did finds your way, finds its way to you next week and we'll continue to publish with you as Maximum Press or whatever you want and seamlessly transition you because Image was really had a hard on for me at the time and was trying to shut me down. And my wife's like, why are you so happy? I'm like, I'm free. I just get to do my own shit now. Because honestly, Image Comics, love it. Love what we did. But I was not built to be part of some consortium. What was important to me in Image Comics was getting my concepts, characters published, creating my library. Um, I'm so proud of everything with Image. And obviously, as you guys know, and I've been back doing books with Image, it's still the best deal in town, in my opinion. I love all those guys there. But at that point in time, it was ready. I was time to go. And I was excited. And it was new and it was exciting. But Awesome was sad. It was very sad. And it was a complete failure for me. It was, in my opinion, it's it's really the only blemish in my career that I really go, ah, oh, that just did not end the way I wanted it to end. But Alan Moore, I had to say no. And, and given the scrutiny that I was given, I would have looked like the sucker of all time and those books would not have sold. It would have been like the retailers would have looked at it the way I looked at it. Alan Moore has left the building. How much would I have had to work? No, 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 no. This is the guy that taught Alan everything he knows. No, come on, guys. And and and, and he mows Alan's lawn. He mows Alan's lawn too, man. And he makes a killer drink. He makes a killer drink. So it's the first, it was the first time I was like, I'm being shystered. He's a con man. He's conning me. But here's my thing about Alan. I knew then I thought of, thought of Grace with Alan, but we never had a conflict. 
all he can do is kind of maybe throw side shade at me. But I was, you know, he had a hard on for DC for 20 years. But the, again, it was all about, I hate to break it to you, Alan's genius, and I think he's still a genius, but getting paid was priority number one. And I think he liked that big fat money he was getting. $20,000 a week, guys, in 1997 is a lot of scratch, okay? That is a lot of scratch in the comics industry. And who knows what else he's doing? I must end with this. Cartoonist Kayfabe is sponsored by the comic books Ed Piscor and I make. If you want to support Cartoonist Kayfabe, pick up our comics and books wherever you buy them. Red Room, starting with Red Room, the antisocial network, season one of Ed's murder on the dark web for fun and profit. Trigger Warning, season two is now in stores everywhere. This is issue number one, issue two also available, issue three coming next month and uh, available wherever you buy comics except for banned in seven comic stores. Uh, hopefully that number's not rising, but you never know. Well, you know what? The cool thing about it rising is that the bigger comic shops heard about that stuff, tripled their orders, man. <laughs> nice. WYSIWYG, A History of Computer Hacking. X-Men Grand Design, the Grand Design that started them all, including Hulk Grand Design. Can't wait Three to see oversized volumes of this available. Can't wait to see what your cover looks like when you put yours together, Jimmy. And Hip Hop Family Tree, A History of Hip Hop, available in four treasury-sized editions or two beautiful box sets. You can pick up my latest book wherever comics are sold, Hulk Grand Design Monster. This is in comic shops everywhere now with some beautiful variant covers, a retelling of the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk, and coming in April, Hulk Grand Design Madness with uh, also some beautiful cover choices here by Ed McGinnis and Jeff Darrow, as well as my cover. Again, the 60-year history of the Hulk distilled down into two very dense uh, oversized issues. Plain Janes, the first young adult comic graphic novel here in America by Cecil Castellucci and me and Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive which just went out of print from Image Comics Ed if you guys at home see Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive on your comic shop shelves pick it up because it is no longer available for order but the original Street Angel hardcover oversized uh, these are kind of like director's cuts almost like artist editions I think they're the nicest books I ever designed these are all still available from the publisher you can get them wherever books are bought and sold and now back to our regular scheduled programming. There was a period at Awesome where he didn't answer the phone for about two weeks and we didn't know what happened to him. And Eric Stevenson was like, I'm concerned about Alan. I, you know, I don't know what happened to him. And here it comes, drum roll. I was on the call with Eric where we we're like, Alan, are you okay? We were worried about you. <clears throat> I, I was away in, uh, I was in a trance and I was in the magic room. And uh, when I'm in the magic room, I can't, I can't be disturbed, and, uh, and it was great. I, I saw Gandhi and Jesus while I was there, and I was like, oh, I was like, oh shit, oh shit. Alan Moore <laughs> has been hanging with Gandhi and Jesus, and he just told us through the phone. And Eric Stevenson will 100% back that up. We were there, <laughs> and you know, as far as I'm concerned, maybe Alan was at home smoking some doobies and kicking up on the couch going, I'm gonna tell these California assholes where I've been. I've been in the magic room, okay? Hanging with Jesus and Gandhi, but I'm like, like my, like I just, the whole thing is there's there's some, here's my, my honest opinion. The talent is severe, but the cult of Alan Moore is Andy Kaufman. I believe he very much has an Andy Kaufman side where he likes to put this persona of, oh, I'm Alan Moore, the wizard, I'm the, I met him. It's the only time he doesn't know this, but in 1985 at San Diego Comic-Con, 
he's there in his wife beater and his and his jeans and he's barefoot on the floor. He looks like Jesus with his long mangy hair. And Jerry Ordway said, you want to meet Alan Moore? And of course, everybody wanted to meet Alan Moore. He was the guy. And he was like, oh, how you doing? Yeah. I mean, he was the counterculture, badass, brilliant, genius comic book guy. So I interacted with him as a budding comic book professional through Jerry Ordway, the Superman artist at the time. And, uh, and Alan was very cool down to earth, but then I get to the, you know, Tarantino blows me away. I'm in the blood crypts. I'm in the magic room, Gandhi and Jesus. And you're like, shit, I no, look, those aren't conversations I've had with anybody else in my life. Right. Okay. That that's only from him. But part of me is there's a little bit of the shtick because when Wildstorm gets bought by DC, he's suddenly okay with it. Eh, okay. There's a firewall. And I think everyone was like, firewall? Who do you think's paying you now? DC Comics is paying you. So you've now this, I'll never cross this line. And, and unfortunately, his career ended with a bunch of lines. I'll never cross this line. Oh, shit, cross that one. I'll never cross that one. Oh, shit, cross that one. I'll never. And apparently, you know, I think he hates every company. They all did him wrong. And at some point you go, really? Did they all do your wrong, Alan? Did they? Or, or maybe you're just fucking the most difficult dude ever, ever. You're a genius, but shit. If like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of like bridges to burn. And what I do know is for years, Marvel held out in the early Bill Jemis era that they would get Alan to do Fantastic Four. And I'm telling you, I feel like I wish we had gotten Alan Moore's Fantastic Four, right? Because again, dude, right here are all my Alan Moore books. Right here, I can reach up and grab all my absolute Watchmen, my um, you know, uh, Swamp Thing. Um, it, it, what, what? Come on, what's what's the one with with the uh, the England? I, I'm 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 Vendetta. Thank you, V for Vendetta. It's it's blocked by statues, but I've got all these books. Okay, and I even bought that 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 porn. Didn't he do a book where everyone's having sex with animals? Lost um, girls. <laughs> <laughs> like I have that too. Like really, that's like I'll go away from the kids. Like, cause I think they'll go like, dad, what shit are you into? What is it? <laughs> cause I remember going, oh, oh, wow. And, uh, and, and now also, uh, I think that was his girlfriend or his wife. And he, another thing is he really wanted her to draw more. And I didn't feel like the superhero books were where she shined. Those were editorial calls that I made, right? But bottom line, I'm glad you brought him up. Look, man, he did award-winning so I'll be a hater. I'll, I'll, I'll put a hater hat on. Man, the only time Extreme ever won awards was with Alan Moore. Correct. Correct. 100%. Guy's a genius. We are so fortunate that he swam in our pool. Okay. And, uh, but, and when it was over, it was over. And it's a great period. It's a, it, everything he did is wonderful. And look, man, uh, he did a lot of great stuff for us. It was all work for hire. He signed every single work for hire voucher. Those judgment day characters are 100% ours. And are we maybe doing something with those in the future? Yes. Do I expect him to cast a spell across the, the pond towards me or try and make a dummy doll and pin me? Good luck with that. I don't buy it. Like I said, there's some stick there. There's some, oh, I'm an evil wizard when it's really <laughs> like, oh, I'm just a burnout and, and fuck everybody. So I love this fucking channel, dude. <laughs> yeah. I love